Hames Transit is the motto of St. Kieran's College in Kilkenny. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, pruning time has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land, from Song of Songs, two verses. On the 13th of January, 1783, this college first opened its doors to students. And of course, it is a long and honoured history since then. Father Fergus O'Farrell, one of the historians here, is with me. Father, why were the doors opened for the first time in 1783? Well, um, prior to 1782, uh, the penal laws were in operation and schools were, Catholic schools were forbidden. Uh, in 1782, the um, Repeal Act was passed which uh, allowed Catholics to set up their own schools. And uh, in Ossery, there was a very useful bishop, sort of uh, forward-looking bishop, Troy. He was afterwards uh, Archbishop of Dublin. And uh, two priests, John Dunn and James Lanigan, and together they decided to set up a school in Kilkenny. And um, in September 1782, they uh, went about uh, getting a house. They rented a house, um, got together a program for such a school, circularized uh, uh, this program around the country, and they opened their doors, uh, as you said, on, on the 13th of January 1783. Uh, it was certainly a big departure in uh, Ireland. Prior to that, there were people had to go abroad uh, to get any kind of education or to uh, go to the hedge schools. Uh, education for ecclesiastics was completely forbidden. Even in 1782, uh, ecclesiastical education wasn't permitted. The school was set up as a secondary school for uh, uh, lay students. Perhaps many of them wished to become priests, but at that time they could only do the kind of um, ordinary secondary school studies. They weren't, uh, it wasn't possible uh, to teach ecclesiastical uh, disciplines in such a college. What was the initial uh, public reaction? Um, well, the letters of the time, Troy's, uh, Bishop Troy's letters uh, suggest that the reaction was very favourable. Students came from all over the country. He, um, in one letter says that kind of all the good Catholic families of Ireland sent students to Kilkenny. You know, the, the fees were slightly high at the time, £20 a year was, uh, was the fee at the time, so it wasn't kind of open to all students. I suppose it could be called something of an elitist school at the time. You know. Indeed, uh, there's a quotation here in your book which describes Kilkenny as the most monolithic Catholic county of all. Who said that, do we know? Well, Louis Cullen, in, in a book on uh, Ireland, describes Kilkenny as such. And that's possibly the reason why, probably the reason why uh, a school was founded in Kilkenny in the southeast of Ireland rather than elsewhere in Ireland. Kind of Kilkenny was a fairly well-off part of the country. The Catholics in Kilkenny were. Uh, there was a fairly strong, um, well-off middle class, Catholic middle class in Kilkenny. And they were kind of anxious to play a role in, in, uh, in the life of the country. As well as that, I suppose Kilkenny was a fairly tolerant area. The Ormans were fairly tolerant. Mm. And um, those two things perhaps would explain why a school was set up here rather than elsewhere in the country. 200 uh, years is 
a long time and it's difficult, I suppose, to pick highlights from it. But in an earlier conversation, you were talking about the Callan Curates. Who were they? Well, the Callan Curates were um, two curates, naturally, who were in Callan uh, in the 1840s, uh, 1850s, up to 1854. They're best remembered for their fight for the rights of the people in Callan and around Kilkenny in general, uh, in uh, their fight for the land uh, rights of the people. They set up with other people the Callan Tenant Protection Society, which was a forerunner of the, of the Land League. Um, they went around the country helping to found other tenant protection societies. and. Um, in a way, they started a movement which spread throughout the whole country. And they certainly did an awful lot for, um, for the downtrodden and the poor and that, in the, that lived on the estates, you know, the big estates around Kilkenny, uh, people that were treated in dreadful ways. The, Dr. Birch used to say that one of the reasons why um, the uh, people stayed so close to the priest or to the church, say, mm -hmm. Uh, in Ireland was because of priests like these, you know, the, the ordinary priest, the ordinary curate or the ordinary parish priest, they stood beside the people in their fight for rights, in their fight for their just uh, rights in land. You were a student here yourself? I was indeed, yes. I what was. were your impressions of the place? Well, <laughs> I must say, I, I was here for five years from 61 to 66 in the secondary school. Well, my memories are very happy memories in general. I think I, I enjoyed my five years in Kearns. Um, I think we had a fairly balanced diet of academic work and sporting endeavour. I enjoyed my hurling as well as my studies, I suppose. Bishop Troy would probably have approved, although his diet was quite succinctly stated. Youth will be taught English grammar, writing, arithmetic, French, Latin, Greek, geography, mathematics, ancient and modern history. And then the strictest care will be taken to inculcate religion and form a taste for virtue and purity of manners. It is necessary to remark that no boy will be received into the academy who is not fit to begin the Latin, to rise at six o'clock in the morning from February to November and to go to bed at nine at night. So Bishop Troy would have it. Now I have two of the seminarians here, Jim Doherty from Derry and uh, Jerry Clear, a local boy. Jim, would you say that Bishop Troy would have approved of what goes on nowadays? I think so. Uh, the, the college is very much geared towards a, ba a balance between the spiritual side, the educational activities, and then the sports and recreational activities as well. The emphasis on the Latin, is that gone nowadays? Uh, yes, uh, we do one year of Latin. The lads that haven't got Latin before they come in do one year. And you're still capable of rising at six in the morning, I suppose? Make it half past seven. Jerry Clear, you're the local boy, but you do not, in fact, have the school background here at all, do you? I don't, no. I'm a Christian Brothers offspring and proud to be one, I must say, as well. I went to the local school here in the CBS and um, I suppose for me coming to St. Kieran's, it was very much the case of a stranger coming to the place because there had always been this sort of rivalry, if you like, between the two schools within the town. 
both on the playing fields and on podiums, the whole right across the board, there was always this this competition and rivalry. My own experience of it was only as far as the podium went with debating and that, and we always had some fierce debates, not so much from on the on the rostrum itself, but well, <laughs> within the whole arena. And um, for me then to come to the place, you know, it was it was different because I had been brought up within the the Christian Brothers mould, I suppose. Now, Jim Doherty from Derry, it certainly had to be different for you. How do we find you, a northerner down here? Well, there's quite a tradition of northern lads coming down to Cairns, although personally I didn't know the place existed until about two years ago. Um, when I decided I wanted to go on for the priesthood, I approached my local curate, who had been educated in St Cairns, and I assumed that I would go to Maynooth, but he suggested Cairns, and... You know, I've arrived here, obviously. Why do you think he may have suggested Cairns, do you? Uh, he was a past pupil of here himself. Um, he obviously liked it here. I thought it was much smaller, much more community-minded than, say, one of the larger seminaries, and he thought it was a good system here. Jerry, what was your pathway to here? Well, I spent two years out after I had left school, and uh, in actual fact, I began by joining the Christian Brothers after I had left school. And I remained in the novitiate for a number of months and then discovered that my vocation didn't lie within that context. So I took up work for the remainder of the time before I came into St. Kieran's and I had a very good priest friend within the diocese here who, uh, well, he was the man who suggested in the first place that I should come to St. Kieran's. Um, it was th- that period of two years was a time when I kind of worked out for myself that I did have a vocation to the priesthood and it was he then that brought me to or introduced me to St. Kieran's. What's your state of development at the moment now? I'm uh, what we now call here a fourth year, but in the old days it was a second divine. Jim is... Uh, Second year. I came in September of last year. What is the first year like here, Jim? The first year is very much geared towards preparation for the what we call the bigger class. Um, Lads are given uh, the basics um, in all the subjects, like scripture, Rather than concentrating on one particular book, they, they get an idea of the whole of the Bible. And the first year is very much the guide in all the subjects. Jerry Clear, has your idea of priests changed at all since you've come into the environs here? It has, radically. <laughs> because um, I would have only had experience of one or two priests prior to the time that I came in. In actual fact, I could only say one that I knew on a, on a personal level. And this was the man who introduced me to priesthood in the first place. Um, I think because of that, my horizon was very narrow with regard to priesthood and what kind of characters were involved in it. As a result of coming here, though, I must say the whole thing has broadened immensely, you know. Seeing so many characters involved in so many different things, I suppose that accounts for the fact that I would have a totally different attitude to priesthood and to priests now than I would have had before. Jim Doherty, do you find that St. Cairns College here in Kilkenny has an atmosphere? Very much so. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons why I wanted to come here was because I heard that being a smaller community, the atmosphere is much more friendly. There are about 54 lads here at the moment, and obviously you meet every single lad every day, and, you know, face to face. I'm looking, Jerry, around the room here at some of the some of the priests in the pictures, fine men, mm-hmm. solemn-looking men in some, some instances. Uh, priests have changed, the priesthood has changed... Uh, has your vocation deepened with, with your time here in Cairns? I would, I would hope it has, and I must say that I, I would have to say as well at the same time that it, uh, that it has certainly deepened. Um, I came in very sceptical, I must say, because I had kind of 
strayed and wandered for about two years and had tried my hand at a few things. Yeah. And I suppose, in a sense, I thought that coming into St. Kieran's was going to be the make or the break situation. And uh, I think it's been a, a make it situation, up until now anyway it has. And it's only as a result of coming here that I've really discovered, I think, for myself that I do have this vocation. So I would have to say certainly that coming to St. Kieran's has, it has, um, well, it has done an, uh, an awful lot for me. Jim Doherty, is there much emphasis, and uh, indeed Dr. Troy refers to it there, on prayer in, in the college here? Uh, there certainly is. We begin the, the day with prayer. We must be in the chapel by half past seven in the morning until probably about quarter past eight. So th- uh, that we have also prayer in the evening time uh, and, of course, Mass as well. But as well as the, the, the basic prayers, we're also encouraged to spend some time at least every day on our own in the chapel. Jerry Clear, what sort of person do you think will you be when you emerge from here, uh, fledged and flown, so to speak? <laughs> um, I'd say I'll come out with the St. Kieran's stamp on me, at least, anyway. I never thought I would see the day when I would, you know. In fact, I never, I never sort of could, ident- I could never identify before with this fact that there was a particular stamp on St. Kieran's fellas, probably because of the fact that the CBS lads thought that they were the only ones who had any sort of a stamp on them. But um, I would say I would come out with, uh, with something, I suppose, of the 200 years of tradition that St. Kieran's has. I'd hope to have that anyway. Father Martin Campion is Dean of the Seminary. Father Martin, first of all, what is that stamp of St. Kieran's about which one of your seminarians talked there? Well, uh, we are not particularly conscious of, of a stamp, other than the fact that uh, we have produced good men in the past, great priests. I suppose we are standing on the shoulders of giants ourselves uh, for the past 200 years, and uh, that has contributed in its own inimitable way uh, in, in forging that particular stamp on, on our present-day pupils. I think they are conscious of, of the great men that have gone before them, and they're trying to live up to the standards that they set. There is here a feeling of tradition, of continuity? Well, there is, yes. They, they are conscious of that themselves. Now, you're Dean of the Seminary, and uh, an interesting title, Dean of Discipline. What <laughs> yeah. discipline? Well, discipline is very important in a seminary, because um, we are vol- involved in the formation of character. And uh, if you haven't a disciplined character, you have nothing. It's really the foundation upon which the priesthood is built. Uh, if a man doesn't do what he's told, then he'll be no good to a bishop afterwards. And so that uh, uh, I am what you might call the dean of discipline, um, insofar as I am involved in the, in the formation of each individual character. When you were a seminarian, what were your own opinions of the then dean of discipline? I don't think I can be too outspoken in this because he is still alive. (laughs) Um, Yes, it was very strict. Mm. And uh, a lot of the time we didn't really understand the reasons. But uh, looking back now, I can understand them, if you know what I mean. I do. But then we didn't. I suppose there are students now who don't understand the reasons either. (laughs) I have no doubt there are. (laughs) Where would the strictness impinge? In, In what areas? Well, areas of punctuality, for instance. I suppose the idea was that if a man was going to be on 8 o'clock Mass of a Sunday morning out in the parish church, well, then he had to be trained to respect the clock. And were there penalties in in your time as a student? Oh, there were penalties. Uh, You got a telling off for a start. 
and if you had repeated uh, um, falling down in that particular area, well, you had more serious sanctions imposed. Such and if it was seen, well, if it was seen that you could not be disciplined, uh, the Callan Gate was open. You were reminded. You'd get the that. door, so to speak. Of course, you would. And that would not be pleasant. <laughs> not indeed. To no. head back to Gortnehu or anywhere else. <laughs> That's true. Uh, now, Father, you are, I suppose, uh, to put it very, maybe brutally, in the business of making priests. Would you agree with that? Yes, in, involved in the formation of priests, or in the training of priests, yes. So That's when you true. get a young lad in, in his say, first year here, what mm. do you look for in him at that stage? You look for all of the, the, the natural qualities... Grace is founded upon nature. God builds upon what he sees, if I might use the expression. So we look for the, the, the natural virtues of honesty, truthfulness, fidelity, these, these kind of qualities. Uh, in other words, we look for the, the good character. I mean character now in the, in the good sense of the word. And uh, we build upon that. And there's obviously a progression then over the years up towards ordination. That's true, yes. That uh, the young man here becomes imbued by the spirit of the gospel over the years. He lives off the word of God for six years so that, uh, in other words, he has to conceive the word of God in his own heart during the six years before he can bring it forth to the world. How much of the students' impressions of the word of God impinges on you now as the man in charge? Quite a good bit. All the time we have to be checking the student's vision of, of the gospel, how he sees himself, because uh, we could be idealists here, and we are continually brought down to earth, I can tell you. I've been looking at pictures of the, the bishops and the, the top men of the past, all very sombre, <coughs> serious-looking men. Are the priests coming out nowadays from under your ages here in Cairns much different to those who went before? Well, it would appear to us that they are different. But perhaps to the next generation, they'll just be the same. I, I'm not too sure, you know, what would the difference be? They were men of their generation. We are hoping to be true to this generation. And I suppose the Callan Gate is never open to anyone nowadays. <laughs> it's always open. In fact, there's an extra entrance <laughs> or exit, or whatever way you may like to put it. Through life's many hazards, through life's busy days, St. Kieran's household will follow his ways. Through work and through study, through play and through prayer, we carry his message of love and of care. We follow St. Kieran the wide world through. Let's cheer for the old school, St. Kieran's Abu. The vision there fostered by Northside so fair we'll cherish forever wherever we trail. For God and St. Kieran we'll strive and we'll bend from Osri's homeland to Earth's grassy end. So here's to the old school, wherever you are, to the college that shaped us, let's follow its star. The winter is past now, let's unite and sing, both clerics and laymen, let's till for the spring. 
Father Barrett, very apt indeed, your own poem there. You're the vice principal here. You're the first layman we've had. Why did you write those verses? Well, as we approached the bicentenary celebration, I was asked by the committee in charge of the celebrations to try to prepare something by way of an anthem that might be sung and for that occasion and perhaps even in the future if people felt like using it. There's obviously a good deal of your own affection for the place emerges in that poem. Yes, I must say that when I came to St. Kieran's in 1967, uh, first to see if I could fit in a job here at that time, I must say when I approached the school first, saw the gate, saw the building, saw the trees around, I fell in love with St. Kieran's and indeed with Osri at that time. Do you see this place, as you look at it from the outside, as having a, a distant prospect, maybe an aura of learning, of contemplation? Absolutely, yes. And a continuity with the past in which I'm interested. Uh, thinking of people that passed through it, even as teachers, uh, I, I became conscious early on of Macdonche, uh, the 1916 signatory, and uh, Sheehy Skeffington also, who taught here at the very beginning of the century. Uh, Macdonough, for example, spent about two years here, uh, straight after leaving his home, before he went on to St. Coleman's in Cork, where he spent about five years before going on to Dublin to join Pierce in his Galeon adventure. So perhaps that stamp of St. Kieran's found its way onto the forefront of 1916 as well, through McDonough? Well, yes, I would imagine that there is some slight connection, though pretty tenuous, I would think. Many connections are tenuous, but pleasant, perhaps. Of most pleasant. The young tenuous. people coming into you here today, uh, do you see them as being very different from those who came, say, in 67, which is a while ago now? No, I don't. I see very little change in the young people of Osri. I think they're still as marvellous as they were then. Which are the main emphasis in your own teaching? What do you like to inculcate into the boys? I see myself largely, I think, as just a pace-setter, an adult pace-setter, to let them see how I, as I would see myself as a mature adult, how a mature adult should cope with life and with problems as they arise, calmly, coolly, and in a rational fashion. And which subjects do you teach? I teach some Irish. Well, Rogu Melnir Tira no Gondwia Oneris, Agus Vinyat Gaelgeg Muinteris Me Fasus, Agus and Jin Homerais Muskel Nitrigen Tears, Hamet Trevshi, and Maltachtiar Higonomar, Agus in Ilan Arner Faskahev. It could better clock Prehan Maridera Er Muhid Gaelgeg. Well, Shiana Yakir the Sprit Hain, Agus the Hid Gwelling Hain. Well, Neil, mar tafonarha on Railgo Aulum, Agus Denmuil er Mudgailhain Hortos, Homagus is Fatalam. Now we have two young men who are imbibing the, the spiritual and, and the physical and the national traditions of St. Kieran's College. Uh, Kevin Lahey from Clan Mel. Uh, Lahi, of course, in Tipperary is a very famous name. Are you connected to those Lahis? Well, I am. I, one of them was my grandfather. 
And did you hear much about him? Well, I suppose so, from my grandmother and that, but they'd hear a lot about him and the family would be talking and that. Hurling, I suppose, was bred in the bone in you? Well, I suppose so, and coming from Tip, it'll have to be. You'd like to see the hay saved sometime, would you? Oh, to be saved next year. <laughs> next year. There's always next year for everyone. <laughs> Kevin, can we talk to you about, not last year, but your very first year, your first day in Cairns? What was it like? Well, I suppose I was very frightened and a bit shy of everyone and seeing the priests. I wasn't used to the priests. I'd been always with the Christian brothers. But uh, I soon settled down and got into the swing of things. Were you afraid of the priests? Oh, I was afraid of my life. But uh, you, you seem to have overcome that fear at this stage. I suppose you get used to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you would. I can see the tradition of Cairns is very strong and very open-minded anyway. Michael Quinn, you come from the city here, do you? I do, yes. And you're um, a day pupil? I am. Was it inevitable that you would come to this college as a pupil? I think so, yeah. I, ever since I came to Kilkenny, I'd wanted to, for some reason, I don't know why, wanted to come to St. Kieran's. What's your impression of the place? You, this is your sixth year here. What have you learned since you've come here? I think a lot. I mean, not just a, a basic education as far as just uh, getting the leaving cert. I think you learn a lot from the place. A lot comes through from the teachers and the priests. Mm. You're in close touch, of course, with priests as well. What's your impression of priests now? Well, I think like Kevin, I was scared of my life of them when I came in, but by after three or four years, you realise that the, even the, the toughest of them are pretty harmless. <laughs> Indeed. We heard earlier of discipline and the, the Callan Gate who are cited. Any particular gate open for boys in your place who don't behave themselves? Uh, not since uh, the corporal punishment went out, I think. Uh, not really, no. That takes all of us back to a certain <laughs> dim and distant past. Kevin Lahey, how is the hurling tradition here at the moment? Well, we haven't won anything for a long time, but we're hoping this year. You it's got to a, to a Leinster semi-final a few years ago, did you? Yeah, we got to it last year, but Pete was beat us. Michael Quinn, when you leave here and take up a job, profession, and you, when you think, say, in some years' time of Cairns, what will you think of? I think they'll be happy memories. It's the kind of place that uh, you'd be proud to bring your wife and family back to say, I went to school here. The great tradition, so long. Kevin? Yeah, I, you know, I have happy memories of the place. Oh, you get attached to it after a while. Kind of grow sentimental about the place. Father Seamus McAvoy, you're the principal of the secondary school here in St. Kieran's. Would you see our two young friends there as being typical products of the college? Oh, I would indeed. Uh, differing types. We hope we have a lot of differing types in the place. Um, Kevin, typical boarder. Quite a number of them still come from outside the county. And uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that Kevin came from outside the county because of his interest in hurling, among other things. Uh, Michael, who came to live in town, you know, we have, I suppose, one third of our population would be day boys from the town. Um, Michael, whose dad works in the health board, is typical of the day boy that we get from town here. You see, we, we have a kind of three-part secondary school. We have about still about 125 boarders. 
and then half and half the day boys are town day boys and those who come on the bus from the country around about. And do you have um, many teachers in the secondary school? Uh, total staff of 30 at the moment. Um, so it's, it's a very big secondary school? It is. Well, I suppose medium size now. There are a few somewhat bigger than that, some a lot bigger than that in the country, in fact. Uh, I think it's a pity because the teachers happen to be gone home at the moment. We don't have any female representative. We have five girls in the staff, actually. And um, about, what, 18 or 19 men, laymen. You are indeed, uh, in talking to you earlier, very conscious of the lay role in the teaching and uh, seemingly very impressed with them as well. Oh, yes. Well, I, I wouldn't start talking about them individually. I wouldn't like to embarrass them. But I consider myself blessed with the terrific staff. There's no doubt in the world about that. Uh, I racked my brains at times trying to find things for them to do outside of actual teaching hours which they want to be involved in. I mean outside, not teaching hours, outside of um, the hours in which they're officially in class. It's part of the problem nowadays and a problem I'm very conscious of that if uh, you have not only mass unemployment but I would say the prospect in the future of four-day weeks and three-day weeks, that it's very essential that something be done for students in other areas besides the particular job they hope to mm. be in later on. And uh, it's like a war, a continuous war, trying to fit these things into the curriculum. The people who suffer most, in fact, are those who come here by bus because, you know, they're, they're tearing in at 9 o'clock in the morning and they've got to be on their bus at ten past four. They've got 40 class periods in the week in between those times. And trying to fit in something which is relevant to the rest of their life besides the job they're in is very difficult. It's the biggest challenge I have. I consider easily the biggest challenge I have. And the one I feel I most fail to meet. I really do. I and feel sad about that. No matter what uh, ambitions you have, starting off in the job about that. I would hope to do more and more. I would also hope to see um, more recognition given within the curriculum, officially given in a curriculum, to things that are not strictly class. I think there's more and more of it needed for the children. Such as? Uh, apart now from somebody, let us say, officially doing music, in which they would do so many periods per week, I think if people can do music in a haphazard fashion, you know, uh, we're lucky at the moment that we have one teacher, I think whom you know already, uh, he's involved in Cotus Kjoltori in Erin, and he teaches Irish music to a number of the kids. Uh, we also have um, things like debating and uh, public speaking. Uh, I'm speaking of things now apart altogether from games. There is Games are there in an official way, inside and outside class time. Could we take you back, Father Seamus, to your own uh, days here, were hobbies covered in those days, like music, they were, like learning uh, the violin and so on? Yes, uh, I can remember myself uh, under an old German teacher that was here, God love him, Mr. Koss, whom many people will remember with affection. I learned the violin and a little bit of the piano with him. It gave me a love for it, which I've never lost. I went on to do a bit of music afterwards. But I also remember with affection a dean who taught me how to build model aeroplanes, things like that. Now, to fit things like that into the school curriculum today is difficult within the hours. The five-day boarding week, of course, is a, is a big change. We were there, 
I remember my first year came in early September. I never saw home again until the 23rd of December. That you was know? a traumatic experience for a youngster. Uh, well, it was maybe particularly for me because I had lost my mother just before I came in. So uh, I wouldn't be a good judge of what it was like for the average run of kid. It was a little bit tougher, I suppose, that way. But uh, on the other hand, it forced you to get to know the family of the college in a way that you don't have to now. Mm. And I think it's a little sad now that you have a lot of students who, who don't really know other students, you know, especially as uh, the, the family is twice the size it was at that stage. It would be maybe 250 then. It's about 550 now. It could be said you've been here since you were a child. I have since I was the 13 greatest, almost all the The greater time. part of your life yes. has been lived here. What do you feel you have gleaned of this spirit, of this tradition of St. Cairns? Something tells me that the student who leaves here, I feel he's a fellow who has his feet on the ground. You know, he's... Um, as I was asked to be, I try to ask students, and I think so do all the teachers here, ask students not to be aware of other people and their needs and never to get too highfalutin in their demands on life or to expect, you know, too big a share of the cake, whatever. I think there's a lot of emphasis put on that. And it's not put on, you know, it's not done openly or officially. Uh, officially. I think it's, it's done in a subtle kind of way throughout. I think it's a value and a very important value which goes right through the staff here. You know, that most people are ordinary people and therefore we should see to it that our students going out have a great respect for the ordinary man and woman and his needs. Michael Darmody, you're a teacher here and Father Seamus is from Rathdowney in Leash and this is a diocesan college, St. Cairns. It covers a fairly wide area, obviously. Well, it covers practically all the county of Kenny, with, uh, with the exception of a few parishes, Gorn, Paulstown, along that side. But it also includes a fair scalp of County Leash as well. This is the, uh, the extent of the diocese of Osseray. When the school was founded just over the 200 years ago, uh, I think you have described it in an article as a landmark in secondary education. Has it remained with that good mark ever since? Well, I think, as we've already heard here tonight, the stamp of St. Kieran's has been marked and printed on a lot, of no a lot of young people. I think they've given a good account of themselves in various walks of life all th throughout the whole world. And Kieran's is entering the third century now, and I think it will continue to do that. Now we've talked of Kieran's this and Kieran's that, Kieran's the other. What about Kieran himself? Well, Kieran himself, that goes back a fair bit. And like all good men, he, didn't he come from Cork? Uh, his origin is interesting in the sense that his father was an Austrian man, and his mother was a Cork woman, but it was a small world even then they met, and he was born so far away from here as Ilan Clara. And um, he was pre-patrician, pre went to Rome, was educated for the priesthood, and came back was supposed to have been sent by St. Patrick, given the little bell to go, and when he would reach a certain spot, the little bell would ring, and the bell rang in Sire, County Offaly. There are lots of stories, lots of folklore about St. Kieran, 
uh, certain part of this diocese, I won't mention names, they actually um, stole his shoes. Another place they stole his pet lamb, but uh, he caused the, the offender, he caused the lamb in the offender's belly to speak out. And from that, from that day on, St. Patrick cursed this spot, and he said it will never be without a fool or an own shuch. Indeed, as you mentioned, Patrick, there, and we're talking of Kieran, these saints had a penchant for anger and for fairly sarcastic comments. Do we know much at all of any gentleness in Kieran? Oh, yes. His companions, the cock, the mouse, and the fly, being a hermit, in, 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 uh, he had to rise early, so therefore the clarion call of the cock rang out at some unearthly hour. Then he had the mouse. If he was lingering on a little bit longer, the mouse came along and nibbled at his ear. And the fly, when he was reading his psalter, the fly walked along the line and stayed there meekly until he returned. Wasn't that nice now? It was gorgeous. <laughs> it's a lovely story about him. Is there much of this gentle folklore, and I know of your great interest in folklore, that can be passed on by you to the students here? Yes, we endeavour to make them aware of this folklore. We endeavour to make them aware of their past. It is noticeable, the younger generation of students, particularly coming from a rural area, I feel they haven't got the rural roots that I had some 20 years ago growing up. I, I, I find it regrettable that farmers' sons don't have the Irish names to their fields. These are forgotten. The bulldozer, perhaps, has been responsible for that. They haven't got a lot of the old Irish words which I had were commonplace in my vocabulary, but again, a lot of them were words based, used with horses tackling and things like that, and they've become obsolete. This is a pity. Our English language has become impoverished as a result of, of, of modernisation, I'm sure. Well, our means of communication are much shallower than yes, they were. they are indeed. That may be an indictment, perhaps, <laughs> on ourselves, as I, as I make that very comment. I've asked the, the priests and the pupils, and now perhaps I ask you, what has St. Kieran's given to you? What has St. Kieran's given to me? It has been a very good place I've been to work in. I've been here for 14 years. And uh, I feel very much part of the establishment. I feel I have something to contribute to the, in the formation of the students. Um, I feel that I am at home in St. Kieran's. And as a Kilkenny man, I suppose I am more at home maybe than an outsider here because I, my roots are those of many of the students that I am teaching. Monsignor Tommy Maher is the present president of St. Kieran's, and a very distinguished man he is indeed in many fields. Uh, Monsignor Tommy, where are your roots? Well, my roots, Dunlach, are very adjacent to Kilkenny City. Uh, they flourished in the area known as Gordon, County Kilkenny. You heard of Gordon uh, Racecourse, and we pronounce it, by the way, Gordon. There are one or two of your fellows in television who still haven't got the proper pronunciation of Gordon Racecourse. We stand suitably corrected on all <laughs> their behalves. Had you heard of St. Cairns at an early stage? Ah, yes, I had. Uh, I, d I had heard of it because I had brothers here before me. I was the last of a clutch, and uh, three had come here before me, so I had heard about it, at least heard about it, anyhow. What are your memories of it? 
Of childhood? Boyhood, yeah. Uh, our happy memories, uh, hard work, difficult times, no pampering. I had the benefit, I suppose you might say in one way, of being bereft of my parents at a very early age. I don't, didn't remember either of them. And I just had to make my own way after the others. And uh, it didn't do me one bit of harm. Of course, people around the country, all over the country, will remember you for your association as coach for Kilkenny teams, indeed as wearing the black and amber as well. Was the hurling here in your time, was it strong? Oh, the hurling was very strong here. It was um, all pervasive. But I would say, if I had any criticism to make of the hurling at that time, there was too much emphasis on those who made the team. And there was no recognition for those who never made the team. Uh, the cup team, as it was called at that time, was formed about mid-October. And there were trials, and the team was then formed, and that was the end of hurling for the others. They had trained evening after evening, and uh, won many honours, many championships. Mm. And whereas they had very happy memories, particularly because we had victories, uh, on the other hand, there must have been many people, now when I look back on it, who must have envied those people and felt that they were not getting a fair share of the achievements possible through games. Salutary point. I suppose it could be said that hurling is next to godliness in, in Kilkenny. Ah, oh, yes, and everywhere else too, I'd say. Mm. Even in Cork, I mean, it would be rather regards a pretty clean thing too, wouldn't it, to be a good hurler? Indeed it would. Yeah. Uh, and on this business of coaching, you were the first coach, were you? Well, I never heard of anybody coaching before me. And uh, I, my coaching, if you like, began incidentally. Mm. I was a curate in Crumlin, which was an enormous, sprawling parish, full of all kinds of difficulties, which were never aired, all of which are aired from Fingless and places today. But one of the lacks there was somebody to coordinate the effort of the youngsters in the uh, area who played hurling in the Christian Brothers, St. Columbus Christian Brothers schools, and won several Dublin leagues, schools leagues, were excellent players, and then they vanished after that. And uh, there were a group there who were anxious to do something about that. I joined with them, we, we formed Columbus, and then when I came, they were very successful, and then when I came back to Kilkenny, of course, uh, I was regarded as being, uh, so having gone away for a while, I was regarded as being maybe uh, different from the rest. And I was asked by Bennett's Bridge, I was coaxed into becoming coach of the Kilkenny team. There was a good deal of opposition to it also. Uh, a lot of people thought this idea, of course, was nonsense. And uh, there are some who still do think it is nonsense, but uh, I do think it was the first all right, yes. Now, as I say, Monsignor Tommy, you're the president of the of the college here. Do you see it as a very happy place going into the first year of the 300s? I do, yes. Very happy. We had our bicentenary, as you know, and it called for the great effort from everybody, from all members of the staff, and everybody was involved. And uh, the cooperation was delightful. It was very successful. And I think you couldn't get a happier spirit in any school than is here at the moment. And if I can say to anybody, if you really want to get, a, to get uh, the best out of your staff, 
give them plenty to do. Have a, a bicentenary and you will get them all working tremendously together. Hymns transient. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, pruning time has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land.